0: Aren't you glad that we've got God's Word? And He tells us who He is in His Word. If we want to know who God is, we can open up His Word, and we can find out all about Him. Are you happy for that? You were happy that you said you agreed with Peggy that you love God. Are you thankful for His Word this morning? We can know who He is. We're going we're gonna to do a… Um, A four could could turn into five weeks. Pastor Peter gave me an idea for a fifth week, so it could be a five-week series, uh, but for sure going to be four about Jesus. We've entitled it, Jesus the Christ. And so, this morning we want to look at the question, who is Jesus? And then we're going to look at his His trial, His crucifixion, and His resurrection. And uh, many of you know Easter's coming up. Three weeks from today will be Easter Sunday. And um, have you noticed that on Easter Sunday we're a little — we have more people in here? Have you noticed that? Uh, Pastor Darrell calls them CEO Christians. Christmas and Easter only. But for whatever the reason, people are willing to come to church on Easter Sunday. So let me put the challenge out to you. Uh, let's not just have people show up because it's Easter, but because you have invited them to come. There's, there are statistics that, uh, and studies that indicate m- most people will go to church if they're invited. Did you know that? The majority of people will say yes to an invitation to come to church with, their, with a friend or family member. Uh, now, not everybody will, but some people will, so w- this is what we're going to focus on these next few weeks. So, let's, uh, let's pray together, and we'll look at God's Word. Heavenly Father, thank You for loving us. Thank You for making Yourself known to us in Your Word. Uh, Lord, as we, as we uh, look at Your Word in the, in the weeks to come, and specifically looking at the person of Jesus Christ, who He is, why He came to earth, why did He die? And uh, what's all this about the resurrection? Lord, I ask that you would open our eyes, uh, that uh, we would uh, understand who you are. We would be better prepared uh, to tell others about you. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So as we go through the Old Testament, you'll see there are many names for God. You notice that? God's being referred to in many different ways. It's clear there is only one God, but we use different names for God to help us understand the nature of God, and the character of God, and and who He is. So we—obviously, He's just referenced as God. Sometimes He's referenced as Almighty God, the Lord of hosts, Jehovah Jireh, uh, the Lord who heals, the Lord our righteousness. There are all kinds of names for God. When we get to the New Testament, we see there are all kinds of names for Jesus as well. Jesus, Christ, Messiah, the Bread of Life, our Redeemer, the Living Water, the Good Shepherd, the Resurrection. All of these names for Jesus help us to understand who He is. And this is what we want to talk about this morning. Who is Jesus? Uh, enjoying Thursday mornings with, with Mike Holman, and we, we're getting ready, guys, if you're looking for a Bible study, Thursday mornings, 8 o'clock, getting ready. Mike did a great introduction to the book of 1 Thessalonians, and that's where we're, we're going in the weeks to come. And so, uh, Paul and Silas traveled together to Thessalonica and ministered to the believers there. And he, um, as was his custom, he went to the synagogue first. He preached to the Jews, and then uh, he didn't last long in the city before they ran him off. But in Acts chapter 17, uh, verses 2 and 3, it says, Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. And I thought, boy, that was just the perfect verse when he read it um, this past week as for the title of this series, Jesus the Christ. And you might be wondering about why I've got the the in there instead of just saying Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. And we'll see today uh, why why the title of this series is Jesus the Christ. So who is this Jesus? Well, he is the Son of God, Scripture tells us. And for many that's the introduction to Jesus would be at Christmas time uh, when the angel came to Mary and said, you're going to have a son. And we're going to look at those verses in Luke chapter 1, 31 through 35. The angel said to Mary, behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Of course, Mary said to the angel, how will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. And so we refer to Jesus today as the Son of God. And if Mary was listening carefully, she was obviously afraid, if she was listening carefully, um, she would have gotten several things from this message from the angel. Uh, one, she was going to have a child. It was going to be a boy. She was having a son, and she was to give him the name Jesus. Now for us, the name Jesus is special, because he's our Savior. For Mary, Jesus was just was a very common Jewish name, much like the name John today. If an angel came to you and said, you're going to name your son John. Okay, John, that's a pretty good name. I like that name. So, Jesus was a pretty good uh, Hebrew name. Now, uh, Jesus has a meaning. It means Savior. So in, in, the, in the Old Testament, uh, many Jewish boys were named Joshua, which means Savior. In the New Testament, you're li- they were living in a Greek and Roman culture, and so they used a Greek name. Jesus, which means Savior. So Joshua would be in Hebrew, Greek would be Jesus, it just means Savior. But the angel also told Mary that this son would be great and called Son of the Most High. Her baby would be the Son of God. Is that pretty amazing? Not only was he the Son of God, that uh, this son was promised the throne of their ancestor David. And he would reign forever, there would be no end to his kingdom. I mean these are like impossible promises it would seem from an angel uh, to this this young woman mary who 's not even married so these are pretty awesome things, but Mary, being a a faithful, devout Jewish girl, would know. The Old Testament Scriptures, and so she would know Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, which said, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. And listen to the parallels here in Isaiah with what the angel told Mary um, in, 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 uh, were we in Matthew? I think we were in Matthew. We were in Luke. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father prince of peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. The the angel told Mary his kingdom would would reign forever on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore." So, Mary would know not just that Uh, She was being promised a son, she should call him Jesus, he'd be the son of God. She would understand, this angel is telling me, I am going to give birth to the Messiah. the, The one that they were waiting for that would save their people. And so, um, what we see here in in Luke chapter 1 is that Mary was being promised that her, her child would be the Son of God, and that this Son of God that she would bear would be the Messiah, or the Christ. So Messiah is a Hebrew word meaning the anointed one. And since uh, Jesus and the disciples lived in a Greek and Roman culture, the New Testament was written in Greek, not in Hebrew. So when they wrote the New Testament, when they talked about the Messiah, the Anointed One, they called him the Christ. So Jesus was the Christ. He was the promised Messiah. So in the first chapter of John. Uh, we see Jesus being introduced um, as an adult. He is gathering men to follow him to be his disciples. In John chapter 1, verses 40 and 41, uh, says, one of the two who heard John, being uh, John the Baptist, speak and who followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. So Andrew found his, his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah which means Christ. So this verse puts it together for us. These Jewish guys said, look, we've, got, we've found the Messiah, and for their Greek writers, he, puts, he adds, this, which means Christ. Messiah means Christ. Jesus was the anointed one, the promised one, so when we say Jesus Christ, or we just refer to Jesus as Christ, or we say Christ Jesus, it would be, it would be good for us to know that we are giving Jesus' human earthly name along with his heavenly title. Does that make sense? So when we talk about uh, Queen Elizabeth in England, we are using her title. She is the queen, and we are using her first name, Elizabeth. So similarly, when we say Jesus Christ, we are saying Jesus, that is his name, and we are saying Christ. The anointed one, Jesus the anointed one, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus Christ. So you say, well, what's, what's really the big deal about that? It's a nice little piece of trivia, you know, stick it in your back pocket, maybe never need it. Well, when my nieces and nephews come over, I don't want them calling me Grandpa Jeff. I don't want them calling me Dad. I I want them calling me Uncle Jeff. I want they understand who I am and refer to me by my name, and my title for them would be uncle, not dad or grandpa. So as as followers of Christ, the anointed one, as followers of Jesus, it would behoove us to understand what we're saying to him when we talk to him. So um, I think that's more than just a, a little piece of trivia for us. Jesus was the son of God. He is the Christ, or the Messiah. But more than that, Jesus is God. So this Jesus, uh, God the Father, Jesus the Son helps us to understand what we call the Trinity. But we, we don't want to um, say Jesus is the Son, and you know God's up here, and Jesus is just down here the Son. Jesus is God. Genesis 1-1. Uh, reads this, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, familiar verse. So, this, this uh, word God, the Hebrew word for God there is Elohim. And uh, when you read all through the Old Testament, refers to God. It is the word Elohim almost all the time. Over 2,500 times. So when you read God in the Old Testament, I think it shows up over 2,600 times. And over 2,500 of those times, it is the Hebrew word Elohim in the plural form. Plural meaning more than one. So there is one God, and yet this, when God refers to himself in the Old Testament, he is plural. So it shows up more obviously in Genesis 1, verse 26 when God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So who's God got with them? The Holy Spirit and Jesus, yes. Colossians 1.16 tells us this, speaking of Jesus, it says, for in him, in Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, all things were created through him and for him. Now, I think that most of you would say, yeah, well, I I, I knew that. You know, I knew it's God and Jesus, the Holy Spirit, together they were creating the world. But every time you read the I think I, I did the math. Almost 98% of the time that you read the word God in the Old Testament, we're not talking about God the Father, we're talking about God. God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is God. And we see in the, in the New Testament, and uh, I don't know who found the, those verses this morning, but Isaiah read them, and it's perfect because... God was in heaven, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And together there was the appointed time when God the Son was to go to earth. And Isaiah Isaiah read this this morning for us. Um, Having this mind, have this mind among yourselves, which which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, together in heaven... But he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, and he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Jesus, who is God, left the glory of heaven to come to an earth was not in the condition that He left it when they created it, for you and for me. Why did He do that? Because He's our Savior. Jesus is our Savior. Now in in our culture, and, and really I would probably say it's universal, every culture probably in the world, we love heroes. Do you guys love the story of a hero? Yes, Marvel, right? Uh, We we love to hear about a rescue, about someone who's in a desperate condition and someone who comes in and rescues them. We love those stories because deep within us, we know that we, uh, as, as Christians, we look back and we say, we were in a desperate condition and we needed a savior and Jesus saved us. And even those who have not called out on the name of Jesus, recognize deep within them, whether they admit it or not, that they are in a desperate situation, and they have a need for a Savior. Uh, we, we like to esteem and honor those um, who do something to risk their health, they risk their life, they, they give of themselves uh, for the good of others. And maybe the greatest act of heroism would be to die for somebody else's sake or on somebody else's behalf. And I don't, I don't know about you, but I was fascinated in the early days of the uh, Russian invasion into Ukraine. You probably uh, heard the story of uh, the Russian uh, column of tanks and artillery and, and equipment heading towards the city of Kiev, and so as part of their defenses, the Ukrainians uh, put mines on the on the support columns of a bridge so that they could detonate the bridge should the the tanks advance, and so they were ready to go. But the tanks came faster than they were expecting, and there was no time to detonate the explosives remotely. And so a a young man named Vitaly Shakan, I'm not sure if I've got that pronounced right. He texted the other men and women in his unit and said, I'll take care of the explosives. And seconds later, they heard the explosives and the bridge collapsed. A hero. He, he died because he loved his fellow people. He died because he loved his country. And so we call him uh, a hero. And one of the things that I thought when, when I heard that, I thought, who is this guy? Like, who would, who, what is the character of this young man that he would do that? And as I said, we're reminded this morning that Jesus is our Savior, and he reveals himself to us through his word. John the Baptist introduced Jesus this way as he saw Jesus coming in John 129. He said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. If you've got time this week, that'd be worth, uh, worth studying. What does it mean that Jesus is the Lamb of God? Come to take away the sins of the world, to be the Savior. Romans chapter 5, verses uh, 6 through 10 Talking about our salvation, what Jesus did for us, says, for while we were still weak, we were sinners, we were rebellious, we were going our own way. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. Makes me think of uh, Vitaly, who, who gave his life for the good of his people, for the good of his country. But this doesn't paint us such a favorable picture of us, does it? Uh, this is saying that, that Jesus came and died for the ungodly, for the sinners. Maybe you've, uh, maybe you've heard of uh, Ray Comfort, who's an evangelist. Uh, he does an, an exercise Um, Or, uh, he he has a method that he uses when he's doing street evangelism, and he loves to go to college campuses uh, and do this. But uh, he asked a series of questions. Uh, And he said, uh, and and just just answer these questions to yourself, you don't have to raise your hand or anything like that. But uh, he would approach somebody and would say to them, "Um, have you ever told a lie? Uh, Have you ever been angry with somebody? Yeah, me too. (laughs) Uh, Have you ever put your wants ahead of somebody else's needs? Have you ever taken something that didn't belong to you? Uh, uh, Guys, have you ever lusted after a woman? Uh, scripture so, tells us that if the angry person is subject to judgment, just like a murderer is subject to judgment. And the scripture tells, uh, Jesus told us that uh, if, you, if you look on a woman in lust, it's the same as committing adultery. So he would say to this young person that he's questioning, uh, so what you're telling me is you're a selfish, lying, thief, a murderer, and an adulterer. This is who Jesus came to save. He didn't come down to make a bunch of good people better. He came because we desperately needed a Savior. And it, and it continues here in Romans chapter 8. But God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, while we were still in this state of sin, Christ died for us. Therefore, since we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, our sin and rebellion of God against God made us an enemy of God. If while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, Jesus' death on the cross reconciles us to God, takes care of our sin problem, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved? by his life. He rose again from the dead. So we're reconciled to God through Jesus' death on the cross, and then we have the hope of eternal life because Jesus didn't stay in the grave, but he rose from the dead to be with the Father. There was an exchange there on the cross. 2 Corinthians tells us in chapter 5 verse 21, it says, for our sake. God and I'll fill in, there's a lot of, uh, are they pronouns? There are a lot of pronouns in here. Uh, so, so who are they directed to? For our sake, you and mine, God made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Jesus, we, you and I, might become the righteousness of God. Jesus is the Son of God, Jesus is the Messiah or the Christ. He is God, and he's our Savior. Is he your Savior? He is the Savior for those who would call on him. Have you called on him? Uh, C.S. Lewis, uh, in his day, often heard... Uh, people making a statement about Jesus, and maybe you've had someone uh, make the same statement to you. But something along these lines, I can accept the teachings of Jesus, and I would say he's a good moral teacher, but I cannot accept him as God. Anybody ever hear that before? Uh, Maybe you have, maybe you haven't, so um, C.S. Lewis had a rebuttal to that, and he would argue. That you only have three, Je- three choices of who Jesus was and is. He's either a liar, he's a lunatic, or he's Lord. But he can't just be a good moral teacher. So I, I found really interesting that Watchman Nee actually wrote about the same thing prior to C.S. Lewis. So let me just read what Watchman Nee wrote. First, if he claims to be God and yet, in fact, is not, he has to be a madman or a lunatic. We're going we're to look next week when we're looking at the trial of Jesus. Ultimately, he was on trial because he claimed to be God. That's why they crucified him. We're going to look at that uh, in, in, uh, in greater depth next week. Second, if he is neither God and he's not a lunatic, he has to be a liar deceiving others by his lie but third if he's neither of these then he must be god you can only choose one of the three possibilities if you do not believe that he is god you have to consider him a madman and if you cannot take him for either of the two you have to take him for a liar Uh, i thought it was really interesting Probably a hundred years before that, there was a Scottish preacher named John Duncan, and he wrote this Christ either deceived mankind by conscious fraud, he was a liar, he was himself deluded and self deceived, he was lunatic, or he was divine. There is no getting out of this trilemma, it's inexorable or impossible to argue otherwise. Scripture is clear who Jesus is. He's the Son of God. He's the Messiah. Since we're not Jewish, we would say, we should probably say He's the Christ. He's God. He's the Savior of the world. Is He your Savior? Is he the savior of your friends and your family and your coworkers and your neighbors? This is the season, I said at the beginning, this is the season that people are the most likely to say yes to an invitation to come to church. Now I, would, I would encourage you to share from your, from your Bible what you know about Jesus and not just bring him here so they can hear. That's why we spend time in the word every week so that we can go and talk about him. When we're, when we're living our lives from day to day. Why don't you bow your heads with me? God, I'm so thankful that you reveal yourself to us uh, in your word. We don't have to, to, to try and figure it out or guess or wonder. You make it clear to us that you created the world, that you, have a, you had a plan for a man that he would be in fellowship with you. And yet, uh, mankind has chosen to reject you, to a person. And you knew that we would do that, Lord. And you just continue to love us. Lord, I'm just thankful for that this morning. At the appointed time, Jesus came to this earth He lived a perfect life and set the perfect example for us. And even though he was sinless, he went to the cross knowing that a payment needed to be made for sin and he paid for my sin. He paid for your sin this morning if you're listening. He paid for the sin of the world. If you've never put your faith and trust in in Jesus this morning, you never said, I am a sinner in need of a savior. Today's the day you can do that. Scripture calls it calling out to Jesus, but it's, it's really just admitting uh, that you're a sinner. You're recognizing that Jesus died for your sin. And that his death on the, on the cross gives you his righteousness. It gives you a, a new life that was uh, guaranteed when he didn't stay in the grave, but he rose from the dead, went to be with the Father in heaven. scripture says those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved so it's a matter of believing that that's what Jesus did for you I know many in this room this morning have already done that and I pray that today has been an encouragement as we've looked a little bit more closely at who our Savior is I think as the more we know about Jesus the more special it is that he would die for me that he would die for you. And I pray that, uh, Lord, that we would be uh, encouraged this morning as we know better who you are and what you've done for us. Let's pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.